Hello, Menlo. So good to be with you. Thanks. Thanks. Somebody knows my name. Uh, thank you. Yes. Uh, my name is Cheryl, and I'm one of the pastors here at Menlo Church, and it's just so good to be together. If you're visiting with us, we especially want to welcome you. We're a one church in many locations, and we know people are jumping on and visiting for the first time online or at any one of our campuses and right here. And um, thank you. Thank you that you would give us your morning and be with us. So I want to welcome you. Today uh, is for the discouraged. Today is for the disappointed. Today is for the doubter. You know, the Christmas season can be all kinds of gifts and joy and wonder and lights, but it can also be a really, really hard time. I was uh, down in LA with some friends dear to me um, who are just experiencing an incredible grief and it will be a grief that will be with them for the rest of their life. There's no hurry uh, to get through this particular grief and maybe you're in that space or you know somebody who is. And maybe the Christmas season just kind of exacerbates it, you know. It's in this season that we can kind of step into some of the disappointments and the discouragement of maybe our family isn't what we'd hoped our family would be. Maybe there's something that you've been praying for, pleading for, something you've wanted to change or think something you've wanted to start, something you wanted desperately to be different. And it's not. And the idea of hoping just feels overwhelming. And then maybe the Christmas season, I think the Christmas event can sometimes remind those of us who are maybe churchgoers, maybe we're religious, but it just brings up doubts that we have about religion and faith and Christianity, right? Because in the Christmas season, we're faced with this a virgin birth, angels, God who would become man, Jesus who would gestate in a womb for nine months, who would become flesh and dwell amongst us, right? And so kind of these, if we're honest, and I hope, I hope Menlo is a place where you can be honest. I hope Menlo is a place where you could say to anyone in this room, I don't know if I believe that. I'm struggling with that one, right? How can it be? And does it even matter, right? So if you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter one. We'll have the verses on the screen. If you're using your phone, turn off your notifications. Um, but we'll be in Luke chapter one and let me pray. Father, we, um, we come to you and we just say, help us. Some of us are discouraged today. Some of us are disappointed. Some of us are doubters and we've been doubting for a while. Lord, you know me and you know that even as a pastor, I have doubts and I wonder and I wrestle with things and I so need you to show up. So help us. In the name of Jesus, amen. 
Well, even if you're not a churchy person, you probably know of Mary. Uh, she's a young woman. She was um, probably 13 or 15 uh, between those ages. And she has an encounter with an angel, right? And the angel appears to tell her that she's going to be pregnant. And she's going to be pregnant not with just any child, but she's going to be pregnant with the Savior of the world. The name Jesus means the Lord of salvation. And here's what's interesting to me with Mary. Mary doesn't doubt. She just wants to know how it's going to happen, right? Um, she's a virgin, and the passage is really clear that that's significant. And the angel says to her, nothing will be impossible with God. So Mary, she believes, she receives, she accepts this news, but she had an angel, right? <laughs> like I'm thinking, if I have an angel, I'll believe, I'll receive, and I'll accept the news, right? Probably you've heard of Joseph, that's Mary's fiance, and it was kind of a different kind of thing back then, betrothal, but for our vernacular, fiance works. And um, he's now, Joseph gets the news that his fiance is pregnant by God. He's not buying that one, right? <laughs> that is not how it works. And um, so he gets an angel in a dream. And the angel comes because Joseph's a good guy and he doesn't buy the story of pregnancy by God. And so he is going to kind of break the engagement and end the marriage, but he's going to do it kindly. He's going to do it nicely. He's working out the plan in his head and he gets an angel in his dream who says, no, indeed, uh, Mary, it really is. She is pregnant and it's by God and she is carrying a child who will be yours and this child is the answer to the prophecies in your sacred text. Um, indeed, this child will be Emmanuel as Isaiah spoke of. Uh, he will be God with us. And so Zechariah, he believes, Right? He believes and he receives and he accepts this news, but, you with me? He had an angel, right? He had an angel. You've probably heard of Mary and Joseph, but maybe you haven't heard of Zechariah. <laughs> but Zechariah in the book of Luke, Zechariah is significant and essential to this Christmas event. And if we run too quickly to Mary and to Joseph, we're going to miss the grace. We're going to miss the goodness of God in this season. If you're discouraged, if you're disappointed, if you're doubting, Zachariah is your guy. I was supposed to preach on Mary. Zachariah is my guy. <laughs> and I had to say, I can't preach on Mary. Got to preach on Zachariah. So this is what it says about him in Luke chapter 1. It's verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in age. Zechariah is a priest. He and his wife, they're from priestly families. They are righteous before God. They keep the commandments. They walk blamelessly. 
but they don't have kids. Probably Elizabeth is in menopause. And Luke wants us to know this because in this culture, in their culture, Elizabeth's worth as a woman would have been attached to her ability to have children. And Zachariah's status as a priest would have been attached to his ability to have children. And so you have to believe that the religious people, the church people of, the t- of that time were whispering and gossiping. Glad that never happens today. But back then, these religious people were whispering and they're gossiping and they're probably saying to one, other, one another, you know, something's wrong. Because if Zachariah is really such a good priest and if they're really so blameless, they would have kids. They would have children. That's the religious formula, right? (laughs) People who do right things get right things. People who do bad things get bad things. I like to call it Christian karma. It doesn't align with anything I believe in the Bible, but I lean into it a lot, (laughs) okay? And and Christian karma is this. If I do right things, I get right things. If I do good, then God is obligated to whatever it is I'm asking for, right? But again, that's not Christianity. That's not the way of Jesus. God is not a rabbit's foot. God is not our magic eight ball. He's not our personal assistant. He is the God of the universe. He is infinite and he is intimate. He puts stars in the sky and creates them, and I don't fully understand all of that. God created the eyeball, so complex and so amazing. Fingernails, right? And so God brings wonder into my life. I can go to an art museum, I can listen to a concert, and there's wonder of God's creative act. But I have also been incredibly disappointed by God right? I've been discouraged. He hasn't shown up in the way that I've wanted him to show up. He hasn't done things I think I deserve for him to do. And I think this is where Zachariah is. As he's going about his religious duties, I think he's discouraged. I think he's disappointed I think he's doubting, and in verse 8, we see this. Now, while Zechariah was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Those angels. They keep showing up. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. This is going to be John the Baptist. He says, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children to Israel, to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the 
uh, and the disappointment to the disappointment to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared for Jesus. That's what this your child John is going to do. And Zechariah said to the angel, "How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. How shall I know this?" Mary gets an angel and she believes, receives, and accepts the news. Joseph gets an angel and he believes and he receives and he accepts the news. Zechariah gets an angel. Doubts. <laughs> See, the language, and we don't have time to break this all down, but the language of Mary's response in Luke is language of belief. It's language of believing and receiving and accepting the news. She just wants to understand how it's going to happen because she's a virgin. The language of Zachariah's response is unbelief. It's a language of doubt. I don't believe. I don't receive. I don't accept. Show me a sign. And can you blame the guy, right? An angel is not enough. He and Elizabeth, they have prayed and they have pleaded and they have offered sacrifices and they have done all the right things religious things, not just for a few minutes, not just for a few days, not just for a few months, not just for a few years, but for a really, really long time. When I was doing the math, what came out on my calculator was maybe 40 years from when they would have married in that culture to menopause, 40 years of getting their hopes up to be dashed into despair and disappointment. 40 years of wandering in their wilderness of infertility. And some of you know that journey. You've been praying, praying for a child for years. You've been to all the doctors. You've done all the treatments. And the thought of hoping again or praying again, you're done. And I think this is where Zachariah was. Even though he got an angel, he wasn't going to blindly believe, receive, and accept. He wanted another sign. <laughs> and I get that. I think I've prayed for that myself. I was thinking about this as I was meditating and preparing for this and meditating upon this passage of scripture. Mary and Joseph were younger, right? Maybe it was easier for them to hear a message of good news, to hear this message of Jesus and to believe. I became a Christian when I was 17. And of course, in my teenage angst, I thought it was very difficult and very complicated and all those things. But I was young and I believed and it changed my life. But Zachariah... He's old, and he's seen a lot of life. And I would say, as old person here, it's harder. Zachariah had a lot more questions, a lot more whatabouts. And I've believed before, and it didn't happen. Zachariah saw an angel, but can you blame him for wanting another sign? I can't. Back to verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. 
I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them, and he remained mute. And here's what I want us to see today. Here's what I want us to see. Here's the grace for the discouraged and the disappointed and the doubting. Zechariah sees an angel and he has a response of doubt. But God's grace is in his response to Zechariah's doubt. And God's grace is hidden in this discipline that comes upon Zechariah. God's grace is his response to Zechariah's doubt. Zechariah doubted And God still did what God was going to do. He went home and his wife did get pregnant in more natural ways than Mary. Uh, But here's what's even more profound to me. Zachariah doubted and the angel didn't say, ah, shoot. Now I gotta go get another couple to accomplish my purposes. I got to get another couple, a different couple, a more faithful, more believing couple for this assignment. Zechariah doubted and the message remained the same, but even more. Zechariah doubted and his participation in God's story remained the same. You hear that? Somebody here needs to hear that that your doubts don't change God's ability to use you and include you in his story. This is confounding. This is the disruptive disturbance of God's grace because here's why. It's not a formula. We want a formula. God's grace can't be conjured up. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. It's not karma. It's a gift. God uses the discouraged, the disappointed, and the doubting to accomplish his purposes. He's using you. He's using me. And that is grace. But I know what you're thinking. And the ones of you who are really good in this room, you're really probably thinking this the most. You're like, but he still got punished. Some of you are kind of glad for that sit with that. Why, did, why are you? <laughs> Some of you are kind of glad. You're like, see the formula. And here's the truth. Zechariah does get disciplined. Verse 20, the angel says to him, Zechariah, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words. And Luke is setting up, if you read through the whole chapter of Luke chapter 1, which I'd encourage you to do, he is purposely setting up a contrast between Zechariah's response of doubt and Mary's response of belief. But here's what we want to do. We want to jump to Mary and we want to find a formula. 
Be like Mary. That's the point of the story. How'd Mary do it? How was she sitting? How did she posture herself? How did she lean towards the angel? Did she lean away from the angel? We want a formula, right? But if we look for the formula, we miss the grace. God's grace is his response to Zachariah's doubt. And hidden, God's grace is hidden in this discipline, right? God did for Zechariah, I sat with this and I just, I, this was so clear to me. God did for Zechariah what he needed, not just what he wanted. There was a grace in the silence, in being made mute, and actually the word means mute and deaf, so he was probably made mute and likely deaf. A, great, a grace to ponder God, not to talk, but to listen. Not to hear others, but to hear God. God slowed Zechariah down for nine months, and ultimately Zechariah was grateful. And how do I know that he was grateful? Because if you jump ahead in Luke chapter one, on that day when Zachariah's son was born, when John the Baptist was born and Zachariah spoke his first words, his first words were praise to God. He didn't say, wow, that was rough. I can't believe God did that to me. <laughs> Woo. Glad I can talk now. His wife's like, mm. um, <laughs> he didn't say, he didn't say, um, he didn't, he didn't say, I deserve that. I deserve that. I deserved it. And now I'll do better. I'll be like Mary. This is what Zacharias said. These were his first words. Praise be to the Lord, our God, my God. Praise be to the Lord, our God of Israel, because he has come to his people and he has redeemed them. And later in the same profession of praise, Zechariah declares, he says, because of the tender mercy of God. And I want to think that this is how Zechariah came to know God and experiences grace in that silence was God is tender. God is merciful. Because of the tender mercy of God, Zechariah now worshiped God. Because he was made mute and deaf, Zechariah probably had to step away from his priestly duties. And what a gift. What a gift to Zechariah to step away from helping others meet God, to be met by God. Right? What a gift to slow down, to hear the voice of his God, his Savior, his Lord, his friend. Dear friend of mine tells the story of one of her sons. She has um, a number of children, and um, they, most of them all had to go through some really horrific medical procedures really to save their life, and it was painful, and it was hard. And one of her little guys, the guy who had it the worst, um, it's a long story, one day he was playing with his building blocks and stuff and he just kind of out of nowhere said, Mama, what's God doing? What's God doing? She said she paused, she didn't 
wasn't sure how to respond, so she just said, I don't know, son. What do you think God is doing? And he said, he's loving us. He's loving us. And I wonder if Zachariah might have responded in a similar way when his friends and family were like, what was God doing? What was God doing to you during those nine months of silence and deafness? I just think Zachariah might have said, he was loving me. He was loving me. He was giving me what I didn't know I needed, what I couldn't earn, what I couldn't conjure up. God was loving me. He slowed me down to be with me. I would have never created this space on my own. I would never ask for it again. I wouldn't ask for it for you or anyone else. This wasn't a formula to appease God, but it's something that I needed. It's an experience that was for me. It was an invitation for me to be not just for God, but with God. It was God's gift to me. He was loving me. Augustine says it this way. Many cry to the Lord to avoid losses or to acquire riches for the safety of friends or the security of homes, for the temporal happiness or worldly distinction. Yes, even for mere physical health. Alas, it is easy to want things from God and not want God himself. As though the gift could be preferable to the giver. We could just sit with that for a while, right? It is easy to want things from God and not want God himself as though the gift could be preferable to the giver. But I still want an angel. <laughs> right? I still want an angel. I believe in angels. We'll talk about it on the podcast this week. The word angel just means messenger. And here's the beautiful thing. They still carry God's message. And the message that any angel would carry to you is the message that's contained in the scripture. It's the message that's in the Bible. It's the message of Christmas. It's the message of a God who has come and lived among us. God who has put on flesh. There is no other God like this God. A God who has come to pour out grace. Not a formula. Not a system. A relationship. That's the message. So friends, I'd love for us to slow down. I know it's the practice that we've been um, practicing together as a church. You can find all the resources for it at menlo.church slash advent. But if we could slow down, and I'm not telling you something you don't already know. So many of you are so much better at this than I am. <laughs> Slowing down. Not as a formula, okay? Not as a formula, but as an opportunity to hear what God uniquely has for us, to hear how God is uniquely loving you, whether you're 10 or 40 or 102, 
how is God uniquely loving you? And maybe, maybe you've believed in Jesus, you've accepted him, you've received his grace towards you, and maybe today is just a day to thank him for that. But maybe you haven't yet believed. And I don't want this to be manipulative or any of that kind of thing, but, but I'd be remiss if I didn't give us an opportunity today. Even if you're discouraged, even if you're disappointed, even if you're doubting, would this be a day that you say to Jesus, I believe, I receive. If you would indulge me and stand for a moment, we'll do this together. As the worship team comes out, Again, maybe you've done this before, but you just need a fresh moment to say, Jesus, I believe in you again today. <laughs> maybe today is a day to doubt your doubts. <laughs> maybe today is the first day that you would just say, and maybe if, if it feels authentic, if it feels comfortable to open your palms in a physical expression of receiving. And again, maybe for you, today would be the first day Maybe you're religious, maybe you've been in church, maybe you've done all the things, but you recognize, I've never really just said, I believe in you, Jesus. I accept you as my God. I receive your gift of salvation. I receive your gift of grace. I receive your kindness to me. I just want to create a space for us to do that. Good and gracious Father, how can it be that you would be so kind to save a wretch like me, to be so patient with 